I want to take a minute and I want us to pray for Tennessee and uh, boy, the terrible thing that happened there. Uh, I don't want to put a pall over the church, but you know what? We're supposed to pray. And I can't imagine being one of those parents that got that call. And, um, you know, we're in a intense warfare in America. I promise you, I started preaching a long time ago. This is not the same America. It's not the same culture. It's not the same people. It's not the same mentality. It's very different. And so we need to pray uh, because that's the only thing, the only thing. Are you with me? Gun control ain't going to do it. That, that No, it's not going to do it because a criminal is always going to find the gun he wants. I mean, come on. But when you're taking him away from what stopped it, a good guy with a gun. That's what stopped it. No good guy with a gun. They would have kept on going. We'd have a way worse tragedy. So, uh, but more than that, there's a spiritual root to this. Uh, we have forsaken God in America. We have accepted insane ideologies, insane morality, all the gender stuff, fluid, this and that. Listen, no, I'm going to bring a message on it. Truth needs to be coming from here to these crazy issues, right? And so I'm going to, I'm going to bring a message on it. I don't know. I may take a couple of weeks and address the gender thing, address all the confusion, um, the whole, there's so many crazy ideologies that have gripped the American mind. I would almost call it the snapping of the American mind. So the only thing that's going to heal it is truth. So anyway, didn't come to preach about that, but I want to pray for those families. And <clears throat> Sam, come up here. You and, and uh, Connor, come up here. And Jonathan, all three of you. These are young men coming up in our church. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, when I, was, when I was a young man, doesn't seem too long ago, um, an older man tapped me and said, you teach. And it made me sick to my stomach. It scared me to death, but it opened the door for the rest of my whole life. Amen. So I'm tapping them. And Sam, I want you to pray for the parents, that yes, God sir. will heal those parents. And Connor, I want you to pray for the school. And Jonathan, I want you just to lift up a prayer for our country. And can we do that yes. together? Yes. So go. Let's pray, everybody. Heavenly Father. We come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, yes, our Lord, Lord and Savior. Lord, we know without you there is no hope. But, Lord, we have a hope in you that surpasses this world, God, and we care, cast our cares upon you. Yes. Lord, and we lift up those parents to you, Lord. Your word says all things work together for the, for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, Lord. Yes, Lord. We know, Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord, we may not always understand but we know who you are, and we know who is in control. And, Lord, we ask Heal for your peace parents. that surpasses all understanding to be upon these parents. Heal the parents. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Father, I thank you. Father, we thank you for this moment.
in this time that you've given us to be together right now and come before you and pray to you, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for intervening in our lives, Father. I, we come before you and we uplift the school that was a victim of this tragedy, Lord. Yes, Lord. The children that were involved that had no control over it. Yes, Lord. The children that were hurt and killed. The children that were affected, that lost their friends. Traumatized. The teachers that lost their co-workers. Yes, Lord. The teachers that left their family. Minister. Lord, I, I pray that you intervene in their lives. That through this tragedy would come a triumph of the name of Jesus, Lord. That, that this low point in their lives, on the other side of it, would be the greatest victory and mountain high that they've ever experienced, Father. Be with them and comfort them and strengthen them in this time, Lord. That they would learn from this and move forward from this stronger yes. than they've ever been before, Lord. That, that, that this school could be a stepping stone to a change in America. That you would use yes. the tragedy that happened yes. for good, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for intervening in our lives. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the joy that is coming out of this pain. Thank you for the smiles that is on the other side of those, of those frowns, Lord. Yes. Strengthen us, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Change our minds. Renew our yes, minds. Lord. Let us seek you like we've never sought you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. God, I just lift up our country right now, Lord. I ask God that your truth, your word would go forth, Lord, and that you would just open people's eyes. Holy Spirit, as your truth, as your word goes forth, God, I pray that you would just start convicting people, Lord. Convict them of their sins. Help them to see, God, that they're living in darkness, that they are not living the way you want them to, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that they would hit their knees and they would ask for forgiveness, Lord, and that they would receive you as their Lord and Savior. And that they would align your li- their lives with your word, God. Yes, and that they would get in a biblical church. God, please help our country. Yes, they Lord. need you, Lord. Yes, Lord. They need you. Use us, God, as your people. Yes, Lord. To bring hope to those around yes, us that Lord. don't have hope, God. Yes, Lord. We can change the country one person at a time, God, if we just yes, reach Lord. out to those in our community, those in our family, God. Help us to be the light. Help us to speak the truth of the gospel, God, unashamedly, Lord, because the gospel is the only thing that will save people and that will change their lives, God. We just pray, God, that your gospel would go forth. Yes, Lord. Not just in America, but throughout the world, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We just pray for a great awakening, yes, God. Lord. Open their minds, open yes, their hearts. Lord. Help them to see. Help them to see, God. Yes, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give, that to, give it to Johnny. Now, as, um, as a pastor, I want to lift up the pastor of the church connected with that school whose little nine-year-old was taken. And um, you see the picture of the family, and they're just beautiful, this beautiful young couple. Uh, he pastored first in Dallas, and now he's uh, gone there to Tennessee, and of the three nine-year-olds, his daughter was one of them. And I just can't wrap my mind around that, but I can't, and for him to have to be the guy, uh, you know, to comfort when he himself has been traumatized, I want to pray for him and his his precious wife and 
the three siblings that remain, three boys, three young boys. So let's pray. I don't know his name, but God does. Let's just pray. Father, we give this pastor to you of this church that the school was connected to. Lord, he lost his little girl. His wife lost her little daughter. And, and, and Lord, right now, we just pray for amazing comfort and healing and strength from nowhere, peace that passes all understanding. That, Lord, you will hold him up, keep him sane, keep him together, help him to touch God, help her to touch God, help the children to touch God. Just take that family and, Lord, wrap them in your hands and your arms. And, Lord, as, as he is seeking somehow, some way to comfort his own congregation, how can he with this, Lord? I, I just pray that you will invade that church with your presence and with your peace. And we agree together and we trust you to do it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Pick him up, strengthen, help, and uphold him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord? Amen, amen. Now tonight, Lord, bless your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, perk up and listen. You're going to need this by tomorrow. Amen. What I want to do, I brought my 25-year-old Bible. Uh, it's been recovered, and it's about to have to be recovered again. Uh, I had to super glue it. You know, I'm so thankful for super glue. And th this stuff was called Gorilla. Some of you know it. And, uh, I mean, you better not get it on your fingers. You will never get it off. And if your fingers are stuck together by it, good luck. But anyway, I recovered it, and... Um, but I wanted to bring it because I want to read um, just the first eight verses in chapter four uh, so that you can have a sense of context and then we're going to dive right in. So first Peter four, verse one, if you have your Bible with you, turn to it. If you got your device with you, go to that. But first Peter four, starting at verse one, therefore, now what do I tell you about therefore? You got to look and see what it's there for. Therefore is a connective. It's taking what has just been said and connecting it to what's about to be said. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in, listen to this list, when we walked in lewdness, Lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties. Everybody says there's nothing new under the sun. And abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they, your past running buddies, think it's strange that you don't run with them. In the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. I'm going to explain this, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be 
serious and watchful. King James says sober. I like that one better. Be sober and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I'm going to stop there. Amen. Amen. And I need to hand this off. Thank you, Johnny. All right. Be careful. That's my 25-year Bible. That's my sacred book there. New King James, in case you're wondering. Now, as we begin chapter 4, Peter is yet again talking about suffering. Aren't you glad he did? Because how many of you can say, I've suffered a little bit since I got saved? Right? All right. He begins with holding up Christ's suffering as an example for us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Okay? Now, verse 1. Therefore, here's the example. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does that mean? That means Christians, there's Christians that don't sin anymore? No, I'm going to explain it. First, notice Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Think about it. The Savior who now sits enthroned in glory with all power in his hands once lived on earth with skin on him. And while here, he tasted suffering and pain and death. And what's more, he never shrank from the suffering. He didn't run from it. He knew from the beginning that he had come to earth to die on the cross. He was born to die. He was born to die for our sins. That's why he came. And he knew it. I believe he knew it way early on. Twelve years old, he's questioning doctors and lawyers in a way that just blew their mind. He was, he was precocious, all caps. He wasn't a genius because he created genius. He was beyond genius. But I believe early on he knew that's me in Isaiah 53. He well knew the prophet Isaiah's predictions regarding himself. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and acquainted with pain. Uh, King James says grief. That doesn't sound like a great life, does it? But I got to tell you, I believe the, jo- the Lord was a joyful man. God man. I believe he was joyful. One of, the, one of my favorite all-time uh, posters, of course, is not in the Bible, but I thought it was a great depiction. Is Jesus in the middle, Peter on one side, John on the other. All three of them have their heads uh, thrown back and they're laughing heartily. And I think that's good because our Lord was a Lord of joy. But, He was acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows because he was a rejected man. He came unto his own. The Jews and his own, the Jews, received him not. So he knew what it was like to get the cold shoulder deluxe. He was very well acquainted with grief. Now in light of Christ's sufferings on our behalf... Peter exhorts, arm yourselves with the same purpose. Now here's 
Simon Peter, the apostle, telling us, arm yourself to suffer. If you walk with Christ, you're going to suffer. Now, I could sit here and tell you, walk with Christ, you're going to get a bunch of money. If you say the right things, you'll even get more money. And uh, uh, the nicest car, the biggest house on the block, and all these things we hear. No, I'm going to tell you the truth. You walk with Christ, you're going to suffer. If any man lives godly in Christ Jesus, he will suffer persecution. It's a guarantee. Now, the word arm yourselves is from a word used of a Greek soldier preparing himself for the coming battle by putting on his armor. All right? So arm yourself. Suffering will come. Arm yourselves like a soldier headed for the battlefield. Arm yourselves. Don't be shocked when it comes. Be prepared. I got my bachelor's degree in radio TV film. And quickly, there was one class, the film class, where all of us had to make our own film. Supposed to be a three-minute film, and and you were supposed to, you know, you were the, the talent, and you had your camera people, your audio people, your lighting people, and they were all your classmates. And it was near, it was, it was the, the fall semester, so it was almost Christmas. So I thought, well, I'm going to do mine on Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth, capital H, who is to be ruler over Israel, whose goings have been of old, even from everlasting to everlasting. So Micah was predicting that an eternal personality would invade the world via Bethlehem. So I thought, well, my classmates, they're all these intellectual college students. They'll find, at least find this interesting. Oh, man. When I started reading my script, it was on cue cards. And the lights are bright. They're in my face. So I hear what I can't see. But as I'm quoting Micah 5, 2, and I went from there to other Bible verses, I hear a bunch of moving. And I finished my little three-minute video. And when the lights went off and the overhead lights came on, there's nobody there. But one girl who was a Christian, and she said, Jeff, hate to tell you, they all walked out. They left you sitting here. And I went out in the hallway, and they're all leaned up against the hall and wouldn't even look at me. They so couldn't handle the word of God. The teacher had walked out. Ask me if me and him had a little talk later. But here's the deal. They left the cameras, left the lights, left the, they walked out. And it crushed me. And I got, I was going back and forth to school on a bus in those days. So I got on the bus and I'm crushed. And I'm humiliated. And the Lord said to me, why are you so surprised? Didn't I tell you if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you? But didn't I also tell you, when they persecute you, count it all joy? For so persecuted they, the prophets that are before you. And and so I learned a great big lesson that day. You take a stand for Christ, you're going to experience some strong rejection. So arm yourself. So that you're not shocked. Like, I was blown away. And until the Lord spoke that to me, I was pouting. The rest of the semester.
was uncomfortable. None of them would talk to me. All I did was quote Micah 5 too and refer to Christ. But that school was so dark spiritually, they couldn't handle it. Everybody say arm yourselves. Be ready and don't be surprised when people do you dirty when you come out with your testimony. And believe me, now more than ever, Peter knew that his own cross of suffering, which Jesus had predicted for him, was near. He says in 2 Peter 1.13, remember? Or we haven't been there, gotten there yet, but here's what he says in 2 Peter. But the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that my days here on earth are numbered, and I'm soon to die. Peter was arming himself for suffering, even as he wrote. The apostle adds an interesting thought here. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does that mean? Well, a believer who has been persecuted is a believer who has learned how to live the victorious life and to die to himself. He who has died to living a sinful, compromising lifestyle has died to sin. That is, you're not living for it anymore. Which leads to the next result. Listen to verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Once you get persecuted real good, something in you gets set free. Because now, I don't care what they think. I let them talk. I don't care what they think. Ask me, have I run across any of those people from my class that day? Ah, they're gone. I've never seen them. I don't know what happened to them. And I got to the place where I said, I don't care. I'm going to take a stand for Christ. I don't care. Yak away. Now, if I do something bad and I get persecuted for it, I deserve it. But if I'm living for Christ and they're coming at me because of my testimony, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. Because the fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs. Fear of man brings a snare. And we all need to be set free from the fear of what people are going to say or think. That rules most people. Fear of man. I got to toe the line because I don't want them thinking badly of me. So we'll go with the crowd instead of standing up distinct from the crowd. We go with the crowd like lemmings off a cliff because we're so afraid of what people are going to say or think. They're going to die like you. Who cares what they think? We need to get to the place where we we play for an audience of one. I play for an audience of one. (sighs) Let them talk. There's an old castle in England. And engraved on the wall of this old castle, and I mean really old, centuries old, somebody put on this castle. They say, what do they say? Let them say. (laughs) Amen. So, here it is. We should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh. That's not the will of God. For the lust that drove us before we knew Christ. But we're to live for the will of God. We're to live for the will of God. We're in enemy territory as Christians. Can I have an amen? Amen. 
We're in a battle that few soldiers get by with unscathed. We're in a battle. It's for life. And in our spiritual battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, virtually nobody who loves the Lord is going to get by without some scrapes and wounds. It's almost impossible to do because we're in a real battle. Real. Every day. Forces of darkness against the forces of light. And we're with the light. Peter says in order to win the fight, we're not to live our lives uh, giving way to the flesh or to fear. We're to be submitted as good soldiers to the, to, uh, the will of God and fully live for him. I live for the, why do you live? I live for the will of God. I live to do his bidding. Every day, he's the boss, applesauce. He's Lord and I'm not. He's boss and I'm not. And every day, I'm serving the will of God. Every day. And that makes the difference between men and women. Boys and girls. People who are just playing at Christianity and people who mean business. Now to further hammer home the point, Peter turns his readers to memories of how they used to live. And here comes this laundry list again. Verse 3, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In other words, we might have gotten away with these things when we were pagans. But that is out of the question now that we are his. There's a difference between believers and non-believers. People ought to be able to tell. What's the matter with you? How come you're not doing what we do? Because I've been saved. I've had an encounter with Christ. Let me look at these words real quick. Lewdness. We walked in lewdness. That just sounds nasty. Lewdness. It is nasty. It refers to indecency. Lack of restraint. Outrageous conduct. That's what lewdness means. In 2 Peter 2, 7, Peter uses the same Greek word to describe the filthy lifestyle of the homosexuals of Sodom. Same word. Lewdness. Lack of restraint, indecent, outrageous conduct. Lust refers to an inordinate fleshly desire of any kind, not just sexual a craving for something God condemns. Okay? Drunkenness. Now, of course, that's excess wine or strong drink. This Greek word is also associated with debauchery. Sensual, wasteful living like the kind the prodigal son lost himself in. Drunkenness. Drinking too much. Um, Jeff's life is a sip is too much for me. I'm not trying to put that on you because the Bible doesn't say you can't have um, I don't know how much but the Bible says watch out for drunkenness. However tonight we got a call on to every man an answer and um, the question was I've got a friend that's smoking pot all the time and he says as long as I do it in moderation as a Christian I'm fine. 
So what do you, would you say to my friend? And I said, well, let me tell you what I tell your friend. First of all, it's a mind-altering drug. The word for drunkenness in the Bible means intoxication. They, didn't, they weren't smoking joints in the first century. But marijuana is intoxicating. It's a, a mind-altering drug. Now, so we can easily kind of extrapolate that word drunkenness and say anything that, that, uh, affects, that alters your mind, breaks down your willpower, affects your perception and the keen edge of your spiritual life. It is all important to me that I keep a keen edge. I could never pastor without it. I got to keep a keen edge by the grace of God every day. I'm in that word and I'm keeping a keen edge. I I don't want to be clouded. I I don't want to be in half a stupor. If the devil's coming at me, I want to see it. Are you with me? Okay. But then I found in Revelations 9, there's, John is having this revelation of the people of the earth are seeing the judgments of God fall in terrible ways. The ecosystem is being destroyed. People are being killed. The judgments of God, the the seal judgments, the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments are falling. And in Revelation chapter 9, John observes by the Spirit that the whole world, nobody in the tribulation world is repenting. They know that it's the judgments of God, but they're not repenting. And, it, and then he lists what they're not repenting of. And one of them, he says, sorceries. Ah, stop. Because that word sorceries in the Greek is pharmakos. From which we get the word pharmacy. And it literally means drugs. So the world experiencing the judgments of God are refusing to repent of drug abuse. Pharmakos. And the Bible associates drug abuse with sorcery. You've heard me say a lot, and I'll say this because I love you. You can go do what you want. Listen, chew the meat and spit out the bones. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong, but go ahead. No, I'm kidding. But here's the deal. I can tell you what I believe is, is biblical, but then you got to either agree or not, walk it or not. But I love you enough to tell you, you want to open the doorway to hell? One of the fastest ways is pharmacos, a drug. And there's so many out there now, so many illicit. Now, when a doctor prescribes a drug, antibiotic, for instance, if you're burning up with a fever and you're in danger of dying or something, they give you a, a antibiotic. That's a good drug in the sense that it saves your life. But I'm talking about illicit, wrong drugs, street drugs, from hallucinogenics to opioids, fentanyl, coke, heroin, meth, laboratory drugs, the illicit. You open that door 
hear me, you may not come back. Watching at home, listening later on radio, I got to tell you the truth. I've been a pastor a long time. I've buried too many people who went through that door and never came back. These days, there are drugs. You can do one hit and it's all you think about the next day. I got to do that again. Look at the streets of Philadelphia, L.A., Portland. I could name them. Look at the zombies walking around who aren't even, who are no longer uh, in reality, no longer able to do anything but stoop forward like they're counting something on the ground. Their minds are gone, bodies are gone, future is gone. Do you think they woke up one day and said, I think today I'm going to go ruin my life? No, they opened the door from which they never return. Now Jesus can deliver you. He delivered me. Now, I was never hooked. He, I was never hooked. I was in, thank God, I never had enough money to get anything. I, I, but I, I did do drugs for a couple of years to my regret. But it was, it was pot and regrettably LSD. But I never did the opioid thing. And I was in drugs two years and I got saved. But now... It's a whole different game now. Fentanyl. You think you can, well, yeah, I've heard about people dying, but not me because, because my friends told me it has this mixture and it's safe and I can do this much. Don't, don't you believe a word they say? They don't care about you if they're trying to get you to take a drug. They don't care. I didn't mean to preach on this, but I'm going to preach on this. Listen. You say, well, not Christians. Oh, Christians die all the time. They get sucked into this craziness and these lies and these deceptions. Pharmacos. God says it's sorcery. That's a witchcraft word. That means it opens a door to the dark side. You may not come back. We've had people in this church. We've had people go through our school who worked hard, graduated, got caught up in that stuff, and they're not even recognizable. So I say, you got to be smart and wise. You got to say, there's some things in life I don't even do once, I don't even need to try once. If I could talk to all the young people in the whole country, and I'm sure they would love me, if I could talk to all the young people in the whole country, I would say, if you never take a sip of alcohol, never touch a drug, you haven't missed a thing. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Don't touch it, folks. The devil's out for your life these days. Your life. He wants to take you out before you have a chance to know Christ or before you have a chance to really serve Christ and bear fruit. He wants to take you out. So that's free. That's not in my notes. I'm just throwing it out there because he said drunkenness. Drunkenness. 
So, so can that mean farmer costs? Yes. Revelries. It's from a word that conjures the picture of a band of rebels. Uh, more than half drunk, making their disorderly way down the street. We see them all the time. Creating disturbances as they go because drunk people don't care what they do to you or how much noise they make or how much trash they leave behind. Revelries. Okay, drinking parties. He literally said that. Nothing new under the sun. Re- refers to the heavy drinking associated with festivals, rock concerts. Oh, I'm sorry, didn't say that. <laughs> Large gatherings of revelers or a house party filled with drunken people. He said, that's the way you were. Abominable idolatries, the idol worship that so often led to immorality, drunkenness, and even demonic activity. Now, this had been the lives of many of them before they met Christ. How many of you can say, be honest, one or more of those, that was me. Come on, tell the truth. The rest of you, you just lied in church. No, I'm kidding. If there's people in here that can't identify with any of that, hallelujah. The encouraging thing with this terrible list is that it was past tense. You were. And Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had set them free. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it's not in there. It says, such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, justified by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Amen. In fact... These new Christians have been so powerfully delivered and radically changed that their old friends couldn't believe the change they saw. Verse 4, in regard to these, your former friends think it's strange, (laughs) don't they? What do you mean you don't want to go party, man? Come on, dude. When you don't plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do anymore, they can't figure it out. What's the matter with you? We live to party, party hardy. That's our philosophy. Our old running buddies scratch their heads when we no longer involve ourselves in prodigal, wasteful living. To them, it's the only way to go and the only way to live. And they really believe when they die and they go to hell, they're going to be down there with their buddies with the pickup truck and put down and drinking beer and talking about old times. And it's such stupidity because nobody is going to rejoice in hell or have any kind of a good time. Um, Once saved, we receive a transformed nature. We discover that the things we used to hate, goodness, clean living, moral purity, we now love with our new inner man. And things we used to love, immorality, drunkenness, selfishness, and sinful living, now revolt our new inner man. We have a brand new nature, and the world just can't wrap their minds around it. So they choose to slander and persecute the new Christian. And Peter warns those who slander Christians. Verse 5, they will give an account. Did everybody hear that? They will give an account. To him who is, listen to the way it describes Christ, ready to judge the living and the dead. You got to be so careful what you say. I've been mocked thousands of times by lost people. Uh, 
my old friends, when I first went to them and told them I was saved, I'm going to tell you the truth. What happened? One of them pulled out a joint, lit it, and blew it in my face and said, you'll be back. Yeah. I said, no, I won't. I buried him. Died of crack. And I saw him in an urn. Nothing left. Blew it in my face, said, you'll be back. He should have listened to me. To my testimony. I know this is a sober night. This is real stuff. This is where we live. This is real talk. Are you ready now? Real talk. Let me move along. They'll give an account. Peter says, God is ready to judge all men. Both the living and the dead. Those who abuse and slander God's people. Think that they can do as they please with impunity. Yet there is one who hears all they say and sees all that they do. While they may not be judged in this life, they are most certainly going to be judged in the next one. And not just those who abuse and slander God's people, but this is where it gets really real to me. Those who slander our Lord. Peter's going to address that. He said they're going to answer to God. Jude, Jude for instance, writes this. This is Jude. The Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. So judgment is coming. Everybody say that with me. Judgment is coming. As surely as we sit here. Now watch. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, Christ. And are we not witnessing in mass media and social media everywhere people bad-mouthing, slandering, blaspheming Christ? This is talking about the second coming when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation period. He'll come with his saints, the very ones that harsh sinners slandered and persecuted. He'll come back with them the Bible records in Matthew's gospel, all the nations will be gathering in his presence. And he'll separate the people like the shepherd separates sheep from goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to the ones on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father. This is the born again children of God. He'll say to those who are blessed, of, come, you that are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Prepared from the creation of the world. Verse 41, then he'll turn to the leftists. I mean, the, those on the left. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. A little levity here. And say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. Notice, hell wasn't prepared for people. It was prepared for the devil and the demons. But when Adam fell and we all went with him, if we refuse to repent, we go where it was meant for the devil and demons. So you're not going to be partying down there. Uh, eternal fire. Everybody say eternal fire. See, there's people saying, there's no hell. I looked it up. Here, here's the Greek. Poor Ionios. Poor, P-U-R, but you, you say poor, is Fire. Ionios is ages without end. 
poor Ionios. Away with you, you cursed ones, into poor Ionios. Prepare for the devil and his demons. Unending, everlasting fire. So while we preach the gospel, there's plenty of these kinds of blasphemers and mockers in our day. For instance, there's hardly a more, in my opinion, a more godless, malicious, irreverent, sick, and Christ-hating group of people in America than the majority of so-called comedians, late-night comedians, uh, the popular ones that are out there with massive followings. Um, I thought about quoting some of them, but the quotes were so blasphemous, I can't. Sarah Silver, I'm going to name them. They're out there. Sarah Silverman, Conan O'Brien has said horrible things. Now, this is not all of them by any stretch. Bill Maher has blasphemed all the time. Mock Christ, mock God, and all believers. Kathy Griffin, oh, save her, Lord. Terrible. She got her Oscar and mocked Christ when she got it. Uh, John Stewart, there's so many. Jude said they'll answer directly to the one they've mocked. Ah, you know what? I'm going to stop there. That's enough. You look like you've had enough. <laughs> All right. Amen. So uh, let's stand together. This is sobering stuff, isn't it, folks? And this is the real word of God. This is not fluff talk. It's not scratch your ear talk. This is real Bible. That's why I call it letters that burn. It burned a little bit tonight, didn't it? You could almost smell the smoke a little bit, right? But we need to hear these things. This is reality. Amen? Y'all look happy? Nevertheless, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing, your goodness, your watch care over us. And Lord, we read these things. And it's so sobering. It's so sobering to know there's a judgment coming. It's so sobering to know that so many people are going to be caught by surprise, shocked at your return, un, not in, in any way prepared for your return. And we see the necessity of preaching the gospel to the whole world, to see people delivered like we did Sunday and all week long. And Lord, we just pray, help us to be a very far-reaching net cast over the whole population of the world to bring people in to the kingdom of God. We thank you for it, Father. We bless you. Now, how many of you are thankful the grace of God touched you? Can we thank the Lord? Amen, amen. Amen. So, Father, thank you for helping us to not fear man but to fear the Lord in a healthy way and to live for the will of God. 
in Jesus' name.